In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good and master of life, come, dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Well, welcome back. We're still working on the prologue of John's Gospel. Um, and we're uh, hurrying right along. Uh, we're uh, working on the section verses 3 to 5. But I promised you last week that I would have uh, uh, this quote for St. Irenaeus, which is so beautiful. And it talks about the, as we're going to see, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Who came unto his own? The Logos, the Word. How did he do that? He wasn't incarnate yet, but he came. And the fathers of the church are very, very sensitive to this. This is the, a text from St. Irenaeus. The Son of God has been sown everywhere throughout the scriptures of Moses. Sometimes he speaks with Abraham sometimes with Noah, giving him the measurements of the ark. He looks for Adam, brings judgment on the Sodomites. Thus, the word of God always showed to men, so to speak, the outlines of the things he was to accomplish in the future, the contours of the Father's saving plan, thereby teaching us the things of God. It's like the footprints that I was just describing last week. Uh, and it's, this is the foundation for what's called, and we'll discuss that later, the spiritual sense of Scripture. How the Old Testament has the realities of the New Testament, but in an undeveloped way. Because we need the presence of Christ to fulfill all those, and then we understand better. That's why uh, in Luke 24... Luke tells us that Jesus, coming into the upper room after the resurrection, went through Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, explaining to the apostles everything they said of himself. You say, or St. Jerome calls it, Lex Gravida Christo. The law is pregnant with Christ, carries the Christ. And at the Incarnation, gives birth to Christ by a divine act. Okay. So, these uh, verses here, 3 to 5, are talking about creation. And last week we ended uh, talking about without him not one thing came to be. What came to be in him was life. And the life was the light of men. You realize every thought we have is a gift from the Word of God. The light of our minds. St. Thomas has a marvelous text about that uh, that we'll read later. Uh, our very capacity to think is a participation in the Word of God. Am I on the air, by the way? 
Okay. Uh, and this is that the life that he is was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not grasp it. That's an allusion probably to the conflict between light and darkness introduced by Satan even into this world of creation. But the darkness did not grasp it, could not grasp it, control it, suffocate it. And then we come to history. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came for a witness that he might witness concerning the light. He's the last prophetic witness to the light. He's the greatest of the prophets. In the Eastern Church, on either side of the holy doors, there are two icons, one of Mary and one of the Baptist. Mary is the door through whom the word comes to us. and John is the voice by whom we know who he is. And so that's why he's so great that he's here in this prologue, you see. He came to witness concerning the light that all might believe through him, not in him, through him. This one was not the light, rather that he might witness concerning the light. Look at the kindness of God. You see, the whole Old Testament, the whole thousand-year pedagogy that God the Father did with the Jewish people was to prepare one people to understand a little bit who he is and what his plan is. And so you see, they saw him, they revered him, and they saw these footprints. You see, the rest of the world knew nothing. They were worshiping sticks and stones, or they were totally godless, or God was the state. Only this one people, protected, chastised, corrected, but loved and still loved by God. You see, and that's all summed up by invoking the figure of John the Baptist. Now our text goes on. He, that's the word, was the true light, which enlightens every man coming into the world. What makes us different from the dogs and cats and fish and flowers is that we share in the divine light. Our minds are already a participation in the word of God. St. Thomas will call our reason a certain imprint of the divine light. Now do you see how important it is to pay attention to what's going through our minds? I mean, there should be full of divine light. And that's the, see, the, so that then when that divine light is brought to a real completion, you see, then uh, we understand. See, it was the true light which enlightens every man coming into the world. So all the world is enlightened by him. All the groping of the great philosophers, some of whom were marvelous, you read Aristotle and Plato and figure out, could you get that close without revelation? They were geniuses and they were honest. 
But the least in the kingdom is greater than they. You see, he was in the world. How? He's the Logos, holding everything in, cre in existence. And the world came to be through him. And the world did not know him. They didn't get it. Our minds have become so darkened through Adam's sin and then the whole successive sin of the civilization. If the word of God had not come to the Jewish people, if the Logos had not spoken with Abraham and Moses, you see, there would be no knowledge of God. And there we have this divine preparation, which is still part of our Bible. You can learn a lot about Jesus by reading it. Because, I'll give you an example. When I was a very young fellow, about 20, I guess, I was reading the book of Kings. Or Samuel, really. <clears throat> and I came across that passage where David was weeping over his son Absalom. Absalom, my sin, my son, would to God that I could have died for you. Absalom, my son. I read that, 20-year-old kid, and I said, that's Jesus weeping over us. Would to God that I could die. But he did die. David didn't, but Jesus did die for us. But it was clear as a bell that David was an anticipation of part of the mystery of Christ. I hope you understand that. Uh, because he's already participating in the grace of Christ. Unknown yet, but uh, uh, that's what he's doing. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? That's why Jesus could go through the Old Testament with his disciples, pointing out everything that was there concerning him. Okay. He came to what was his own, his people. And his own did not receive him. This is the tragedy, right? Isn't this the parable that our Lord tells about the workers, you know, the stewards of the vineyard? And the, the owner sends these people to him. And they beat them up and kill them. Those are the prophets. Finally, he said, I'll send my own son. They'll respect him. And they kill him in this parable, right? And it says right in the text, and the Pharisees knew he was talking about them. Uh, so you see, he came to what was his own, and his own did not receive him. As many as received him, to them he, came, he gave power to become children of God. Already in anticipation, Israel, my son. You see? Children of God. In an anticipated way. Not in the fullness of the indwelling Trinity. But in an anticipated way. It's a share. It's an anticipation of the fullness. That John is going to talk about in just a moment. Okay? As many as received him. He, to them he gave power to become children of God. To whom? To the believers in his name. Now. We have to understand that biblically name is the expression of the reality of the person. If I believe in the name of Jesus, 
I believe in his divine sonship. That's his name. His name is Jesus. His name is Son. His name is Word. But I believe in his name, in the expression of who he is. You see? They're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the old. And then what happens? And the Word became flesh. On Christmas, we all kneel at this point. The Word became flesh. He became basar in Hebrew. Everything that Word evokes is weakness, transitoriness, insignificance. And God became this for us because He loves us so much. Radiating out from that humanity, now especially risen from the dead, is all the reality of God. And we receive that in the Eucharist. So you see how we have to prepare ourselves. And even while we're standing in line to receive the Eucharist, pray, pray. You see, because this is the Lord God himself in flesh coming to us because he loves us. The Word became flesh and tented among us. That's uh, the tent of meeting. And then that tent of meeting is referred to in the book of Sirach. The Lord told me where to pitch my tent. Chapter 24. And so, it's the kavod of God coming to dwell among us. Dwelling, hovering over the tent. You see, dwelling in the tent. All right. Now, we'll do the second part right after the break.